What is up, everybody? Welcome into Living Off the Land. This is episode 196. Uh, I'm your host, Dan. And uh, once again, we've got the all Strongsville episode. As uh, as I've affectionately dubbed you on social media, Twitterless Steve is with us tonight. Twitterless, how are you? I don't do Twitter, and <laughs> I am having a fabulous Tuesday night, as always. We are Good gearing up. It. We are gearing up for Winter Storm Landon. That is go- when. Did, when did we start naming winter storms? By the way, I don't know. They, sub, whoever's doing the naming must be a USMNT supporter. Going with Landon on yeah. this one. Either that. Either that, or he's a preppy kid from Strongsville, but oh. <laughs> but uh, with the name Landon. But anyway, uh, yeah, we are prepping for another winter storm here. I know it's not January anymore, but have we had a more snowy January in recent memory? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was way snowier than last January was for sure. Um, yeah. The most, actually, the majority of the snow last winter fell during December. We had a big snowstorm right at Christmas, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, MLK Day was a big storm this year, and then we had uh, two more days of snow last week. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty significant. We had almost two feet. I would say in Parma, you probably cleared two feet. Uh, in these two weeks, totally, out, yeah. Out, out further west by North Ridgeville, we didn't get hit quite as hard, but I can say just from driving around the area that anywhere from central to east got hammered within Smashed. the last two weeks, and we're going to get Hulk Smith. Well, this time Lake Effect, it's the not west. Gonna, yeah, Lake Effect's not going to factor in. It's going to be yeah. everywhere. Yeah, we shall see. But uh, yeah. but anyway, so we're gearing up for that. And as you heard at the beginning of the episode, I did not forget a beer this week. I have beer of the week this week. It is one that uh, we had on the show probably over at least over a year ago, and uh, it is Major Lager by Brew Kettle, a premium lager, <clears throat> and um, they changed the can art on this since the last time I had it. It used to be like a Indians, well now Guardians, uh, baseball style beer. It used to be blue, red, and white in color. They have now changed that to more of a football style. I don't know if they do that for the seasons. Like I don't know if in springtime uh, they'll bring the blue, the red, and the white back. But it certainly is a football-themed can uh, this time with the with the brown and orange. And I will say that I hope they go with the wine and gold for the uh, springtime. Well, yeah, they could do that too. I wonder if they'll do that. I don't know. But anyway. Uh, it is a premium lager. Brew Kettle is out of Strongsville, Ohio, where uh, Stephen and I are from. And Beer Advocate notes this as a traditional light American lager with a crisp taste, a slight bite of American hops, and a clean and refreshing finish. They describe this as the perfect game day beer. And uh, I've, I've got to agree with that. Uh, it's, <clears throat> it's fairly inexpensive. Uh, it's a Six pack of Tall Boys, sixteen ounce Tall Boys, uh, and it was eight ninety nine at Max Beverage in Parma, Ohio. So, very very affordable. Uh, Beer Advocate gives a score of eighty seven, which they rank as very good, uh, bah, 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 with an average score of three point eight four out of five. And I gotta say, I really enjoy this. It's definitely a full bodied uh, lager. It's not like a Bud Light. It's more like a uh, Budweiser, like a Bud. 
like a diesel, as we call them. Uh, but it's very good, very full flavored. Uh, does have a slight, uh, does have a slight bite of hops, like it says in the description. Uh, it is very, very refreshing. It's very crisp, and I really enjoy it. Uh, I would definitely get it again. Like I said, it's perfect game day beer. Either you're going to the ballpark on a summer afternoon, evening, or if you're tailgating for a Browns game, uh, this is very, very recommended um, to do so with. So I am, let's see. I'm going to give it a 7.3. That's going to be my one sip uh, beer review, kind of like the one bite pizza review. Mm. Um, so that's my one sip review, 7.3. Would definitely get it again. Uh, if you're if you're looking to have a couple drinks, but not looking to have like you know, like I had two weeks ago where I had an 8.5, uh, what was it? Eight, yeah, 8.5 percent uh, double hazy IPA. And you're just looking for something light and something uh, that you know you could take a few down and not not feel it. It's only 4.5 percent uh, ABV, so. Um, yeah, very, very good. The Brew Kettle is a very popular spot. Uh, it's located in, well, they have three locations, actually, in Middleburg Heights, Hudson, and Strongsville, which is the original location. Uh, 8377 Pearl Road. It's actually Really very, good food. Very close. Oh, yeah, their food's very underrated, very actually. Uh, really conveniently located off of 71 and the Ohio Turnpike. In fact, it's not far from the... Metro Parks Reservation as well, which actually during the warmer times of the year, not now, but huh. uh, during the warmer times of the year is, is really a hangout spot for people that like to, you know, ride bikes or run or do whatever in the in the Metro Parks and uh, tend to hang out there afterwards. So uh, really great spot if you haven't been there. Uh, Brew Kettle, again, also in Middleburg and uh, Hudson. Check it out, Brew Kettle. All right, so that is Beer of the Week. We are now going to move into a new segment that we started uh, last week, and uh, we're going to go with another edition of Better Know a Neighborhood with uh, with Stephen Stefano. Take it away. Indeed. So, again, last week we started our journey through Cleveland's neighborhoods in Cam's Corners, far in the southwest corner. Today we're, we are heading over, I don't know if you can really call it, you can't really call this the east side yet, but it's right adjacent to downtown uh, on the northeast side. It's a neighborhood that historically is called Goodrich Kirtland Park, but more recently it has been more commonly known as Asia Town. This neighborhood uh, is bounded by Euclid Avenue in the south, uh, I-90 in the west and the north, uh, where it runs along Burke Lake Run Airport, and then by East 55th Street in the east. So again, you're talking you know, just adjacent to the CSU campus on the southwest end of it. So it, within this neighborhood, it's, it's, it's actually... A, it's a very interesting neighborhood. It, the south end of it is actually more homogenous, down by Euclid Avenue and Chester Avenue. But you have some pretty good uh, points of interest there. The Cleveland Museum of the Cleveland Children's Museum is actually at East Thirty Sixth Street and Chester Avenue. Um, that's a, a most. Uh, it's actually free uh, on some days uh, to go into. The Agora Theater and Ballroom is right on Euclid Avenue near East 53rd Street. That's a, a really historical um, theater and concert venue. If you've never been there, uh, 
it's a little bit it's actually a little bit off the beaten path compared to a lot of the uh, other concert venues in Cleveland but again it's one of the oldest and uh, longest running uh, just immediately to the west of there you have the campus of applied industrial technologies which is a major employer in the area and then just down the road from there is the Board of Elections building oddly enough then if you as you start to go a little bit north uh, toward Payne Avenue and then uh, ultimately over towards Superior Avenue that's when you get into the heart of the Asian community in Cleveland uh, which is why they now call this area Asian town is this is this the area where they hold uh, and you might not know this I'm, I might be putting you on the spot is this the area where they hold uh, Ingenuity Fest? I am not entirely sure about that because I've been I've been to Ingen- I, I'm not I don't go to that side of the town. That sounds about right to me, but yeah. I don't want to say for sure. Ingenuity Fest, uh, I've I've gone to, uh, well, not not since the pandemic, but before the pandemic, I used to go um, every year. But anyway, the <clears throat> you know, like much like Cam's Corners has that one little corridor uh, with bars and a, a lot of uh, points of interest along Rocky River Drive and Lorraine Avenue. That sort of area in Asia Town is right along Superior Avenue mm. from I-90 through roughly about East 40th Street. You have a nice little run of you know, local businesses, uh, Asian-owned businesses, places like LJ Shanghai, Korea House Barbecue, uh, mm. Superior Pha, which is a Vietnamese restaurant. Superior Pha. Pha. And then love, uh, I love Superior Pho. That's actually a very highly rated business. Oh yeah, uh, four point six stars on on Google. Uh, extremely highly rated, and it's it's actually you know not super expensive either. Uh, it's actually the, the offerings you can get there are actually a pretty good value. Hamilton Avenue. That yes, that's uh, well East Thirty First Place and Hamilton Avenue, right off of I, of I ninety. No, that's where Ingenuity Fest is. It's on Hamilton. Oh, oh. Avenue. okay. 5401 Hamilton Avenue, Cleveland, Ohio, 44114. Okay. Yeah, that would be in the, the eastern edge of, of this neighborhood, yes. Interesting. Um, and then, of course, yeah, so, I mean, just naming off a few other places, Wonton Gourmet that's a, and Barbecue, that's a Chinese restaurant. Uh, that's on Payne Avenue. Uh, Map of Thailand Restaurant, a Thai place, that's also on Payne at uh, East 36th Street. And then one that I really want to throw out there is the uh, – I just lost it here. It was the um, it was the bakery, on Payne. Okay. Uh, I I can't think of it. It's a it's a Korean owned bakery. It's at the corner of Thirty Fourth and Payne, and this this place is rated four point seven, on Google. Uh, and I swear I just dropped the address, but it's in the thirty four hundred block of Payne Avenue, and. Um, this is, you know, unlike the traditional restaurant fair, this is one that's that focuses more on bakery goods. Mm. And um, one of the most important foods in Korea is is kimchi, which actually yep. is a um, vegetable dish that's actually like wrapped in dough and that's like boiled almost in a pot. Yeah. And you know, this prob <sighs> this place probably has some of the best kimchi that you'll find outside of Korea itself. And I swear I just cannot. It's called Coco Bakery. That is that is the name of the business. Uh, 4.7 stars on Google. It's 30. I, I misspoke a little bit earlier. 3710 Payne Avenue. So 3700 block. Uh, it's located in the Payne Commons Shopping Center. And not just kimchi, obviously, but all sorts of baked goods, all sorts of breads, uh, and also 
you know, it's sort of like if you were to go into a bakery in, you know, an area with a really high Asian population or in Korea itself. It's some of the best you'll find anywhere. Um, as you go to the far north end of, of this neighborhood, it becomes more industrial as you head up toward Lakeside Avenue. And then, of course, if you cross 90, that's when you get in uh, Burke Lakefront Airport is on the northwest side. And then on the northeast side is where you get to the, the two yacht clubs right along Lake Erie, mm-hmm. uh, just in between Burke Lakefront and the East 55th Marina. So uh, Florida City Yacht Club is one of them, and I, the name of the other one escapes me right now. But uh, a lot of the, the big wigs in Cleveland, they have their they host their boats there, and uh, obviously nobody's doing any boating in February. But, nope. uh, you know, uh, obviously one of the biggest pastimes in Cleveland, if you are uh, obviously lucky enough to have a boat, is take your boat out on the lake uh, during the late spring, summer, and fall. <laughs> during the three months so. that you actually can. Uh, you know, people say that all the time, and, uh, you know, I- I'm of the opinion that um, those fall months can be just as nice as summer. True. Very it, true. It's often, the weather's often more stable. You know, summertime, sometimes you take the boat out there, but then, like, a sudden, sudden thunderstorm comes out of nowhere, and you got to <laughs> come back in, you know? True. Very true. So, yeah. But, yeah, lots to offer in this neighborhood. Again, Goodrich Kirkland Park, uh, has its historical name, or also known as Asia Town, which is basically what all the locals call it now just on the right northeast side of downtown, so it's very easy to get to if you work or live downtown. And d- during the summers, I know b- before the pandemic, there used to be a, uh, not like a, not like a, f- not like, like a, like a night, night market or something. I think they call it, used to call it night markets, the uh, Asian, Asian night markets or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have a bunch of stands set up for food, shops, um, you know, small businesses, like make goods and stuff and sell them. And then they would always have like a stage with like entertainment. They they will yes they will literally make street food on yeah. on the street and they they will try to keep you there with entertainment which I think is a, is a great concept. Um, one thing I failed to mention I can't believe I didn't mention this before maybe because it didn't fit the theme but a very very famous establishment in Cleveland is at the corner of St Clair Avenue and East Thirty First Street. I'm talking about Sliman's Deli. Oh yeah, there you go. Which is right on the how do we forget that periphery of the neighborhood? But yes, it is technically within oh. the town. You know, everybody everybody always talks about uh, uh, delis and stuff in like New York and corned beef in like New York. I will put the delis and corned beef in Cleveland up against almost anybody. Agreed. I mean, you're not even talking about Slimans. You're talking about Jack's Deli. You're talking about um, Carl's Inn and the Barristers downtown. Um, so many others uh, that that. Uh, are so great there's one there's one actually over here on uh oh where was it's on um 150th just north of snow called express deli that's so good so shout out to them we have great delis in this city and obviously slime is the one that gets most of the pub well deserved our foodie community can stack up against any other city 100 percent 100 percent and you got Nimrods like Johnny Manziel going on going on Twitter this weekend saying that Cleveland sucks, not the people, but the place itself. The guy was drunk his entire time he was in Cleveland. He never ever experienced a city at all. The guy can go blank himself. Yeah. But uh but yeah. So when you're as universally hated in a place as Johnny Manziel is in Cleveland, then you know what? I yeah, sour grapes, whatever. Yeah. So I mean, probably a few years from now, Odell Beckham Jr. will probably say the same thing. But you know. yeah, he sucks too. Sour grapes for him too. 
But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's uh, is that is that it for it? That is yep. That is Asia Town. Very and nice. That's our second neighborhood. Put it on the map. And you can we- put it on the board. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we'll have another one for you next week. So that is better. No uh, neighborhood. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. And we were going to do our top five, but since we're talking about Asia Town, the Winter Olympics are about to start. And they're being yes. held in Beijing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good segue for us. Third consecutive Olympiad in Asia, by the way, which really Weird. doesn't make any sense when you think about it. But, Weird. You know, they went to Pyeongchang, South Korea, four years ago. Then they went to Tokyo, Japan, and now Beijing, China. How about we bring it back to friggin' Italy? Uh, you only got to wait four more years for that. Or the U.S., but... Um, Milan, 2026. Ah, uh, my city. Forza Milan. Uh yeah, so let's talk about the Winter Olympics. I gotta say, I love the Summer Olympics, but I don't know what it is, and we're gonna get into it. It might be the video game, mm. but I have a soft spot for the Winter Olympics. I don't know what it is. I don't know if maybe like I find some of the, more a lot of the events more interesting. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Are you Summer Olympics or Winter Olympics guy? You know, I don't really – I don't have a huge preference between either one. I mean, I guess I identify slightly more with the Summer Games because yeah. those are sports that I've, you know, played pretty much for sports like basketball, distance running, triathlon, uh, road cycling. You know, those are all Summer Olympic events. Really the only one from the, the Winter Games that I have done consistently in my life is skiing. Mm. You know, and I'm I'm certainly you know I've, I've dabbled I've done cross country skiing one time when I went to Minnesota in 2019. That was pretty cool. Um, I'll never be a downhill skier because every time I start to go fast, I'm like, ah, oh, slow down. But <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, just just watching you know Lindsey Vonn or Michaela Schiffer and just you know fly down a hill like that, it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, 70, 80 miles an hour. It's like a, a crash could you could actually kill you, you know, at that kind of a speed. Um, so impressive what what some of these athletes are able to do, not only on Team USA but on these these other teams from around the world. And ski jumping is really the one that gets me. You know, you're gonna go hurdle down a, a ski ramp at you know 70 miles an hour and launch yourself into the air, and you're literally gonna drop about 20 stories. Yeah. You know, 90 or 120 meters down to the to the bottom. It's just like, holy moly. Yeah, you know, so you you really do have some some daredevil type events in the Winter Games, um, and then you have your traditional mainstays like hockey, uh, figure skating for those who are the more artistically inclined. One of my favorites is uh, short and long track speed skating. That's a really fun Especially one. Especially short track. Mm-hmm. I mean, the event only lasts about fifteen seconds, but it is well, the five hundred meter. Yes, is exhilarating. Is like the <laughs> that's, exhilarating. That's the hundred meter dash of, of the Winter Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, and then we, you know, we had a, uh, we had an Olympian compete in that event that was named Apollo Anton Ono. I mean, I mean, come on, can you th- can you think of a better name? Yeah, he's pretty awesome. He had a heck of a career, honestly. But that was mine, and then the uh, I believe you mentioned it. I don't know if you did the uh, ski jumping. Did you just mention that? I did. Yes. Yeah, that's another one of my favorites. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Curling, obviously. Everybody, you know, you either love or you hate curling. I love curling. I think it's fantastic to watch. And then getting to actually do it when we were in college at BG was was so much fun. 
I should have mentioned curling when I mentioned skiing because I yes I have done curling before not recently but yeah. uh, you know it's it's basically shuffleboard on ice yep. it, which obviously makes it much more difficult um, and I will point out this is a few years too late but curling is a sport where you are allowed to kneel yeah yeah right so <laughs> hey hey um do we have any local Olympiads or Olympians for the Winter Olympics? So there's one that I want to point out right away. He was actually a gold medalist in Pyeongchang uh, from Rocky River, uh, Redmond Red Gerard. Redmond? He, oh, yeah. He, I remember him. He, four years ago, at 17 years of age, yes. won the men's slope-style snowboarding competition. I totally remember this. Big Red, yes. Mm-hmm. He's, I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah, he's going to be back looking for more here. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. He, he 17 be, years old. He may be around for a few more Olympics. He medaled, right? Uh, he was a gold medalist. Gold medalist. Yeah. Wow. So He's still only 21. Right, exactly. Incredible. You know, just looking at a few of the, the prominent names from Ohio in, the, in recent years, um, Louis Vito, snowboarder from Belfontin, he was a— uh, Fifth placer in Vancouver, and then uh, eighth placer in Sochi. Uh, that was in the that was in that was in snowboarding. I think it was in halfpipe. Uh, Leanne Parsley and Kelly Stack were another two. one snowboarding halfpipe. That's another event. Yep. Yeah. That's a that's a fabulous event. I mean, oh, that, yeah. when you talk about the legends that have come out of that event, people like the Flying you know, Tomato, Kelly Clark, and um, Sean White. Yeah. You know who are both gold medalists from the U.S. Um, God, I love the okay. It's it's official. I love the Winter Olympics more in summer. I, I mean, it's one that you, the U.S. doesn't really dominate when you think about it, right? You know, the, the Summer Olympics. If the U.S. doesn't finish first in the medal count, it's like, well, what the heck happened? I just you think know? there's more exciting events in the Winter Olympics. I, there really are. There's lots of them. It, yeah. It's great. You know, and getting getting back to what I was saying earlier. And also, know, we'll talk about this in a couple minutes. But it's also the producer of the greatest Olympic video game of all time. Oh. Which we will talk about. <laughs> yes. I wanted to mention a few other athletes from the state of Ohio, at least in terms of the, in recent years. Uh, Leanne Parsley, who was a longtime player for the, the U.S. women's hockey team, mm-hmm. she was at, she's from Granville, Ohio, down by Columbus. She was actually State of Ohio Firefighter of the Year back in 2006. The same year as the Torino Games, where the U.S. Uh, finished in second behind Canada, and then uh, oddly enough, she actually is on the International Bobsled Federation now, which is which is interesting because seeing as she was a hockey player, and then uh, Kelly Stack was another uh, local hockey player from the U.S. She was uh, in both the Vancouver and the Sochi Games, um, won a few medals for the United States. And then, of course, I we you know, this is a long way back ago, but we got to mention this guy, uh, former Olympic gold medalist from 1984, Scott Hamilton from Bowling Green. Let's go! You know, 1984 was a hell of a year in BG, and you know that was one of them. And then BG winning the national championship. You know, you know what's interesting year too. So my boss uh, at work is uh, a BG alum, and he was at BG in 1984 when we won the national title, when Scott Hamilton won the gold medal. And he's like, and I'm talking to him, and I'm like, huh, well, when I was in school, predominantly, hockey sucked. Football sucked. Our I don't basketball- know about sucked. Hockey legitimately sucked. Football was up and down. Okay. 
Men's basketball sucked. Men's basketball sucked. Yes. I mean, the only thing we really had to hold our hats on was women's basketball. They were awesome. Yeah. But it's just like he's a he 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 talks to me about oh well you know uh, uh you know won a national championship when I was in school what about you uh well the 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 team that you wanted that you watched win a national championship when I was in school there uh, almost went away yeah <laughs> but, but anyway this is luckily, not a BG podcast but but luckily well I'm, I'm <clears throat> gonna keep talking about BG for at least another second Let's go. because there were actually two world champions from BG in, in figure skating, uh, Scott Hamilton, and then when we were there, uh, Alyssa Sisney. Oh, yeah. Who was a two-time U.S. I remember champion, that very I remember that 2009 very and 2011, vividly. and probably would have been one of the favorites to win the gold medal in Vancouver had she not suffered an injury right. prior to the U.S. trials and, and did not qualify for the Olympics. That still, oh, that still chaps my, you know what, to this day. But <laughs> be that as it may, uh, the games start on Friday – uh, with the opening ceremonies at the fabled Bird's Nest Stadium in Beijing. And, you know, I was actually pretty critical when Beijing won this bid. And part of it was actually because Innsbruck, Austria, and Stockholm, Sweden both pulled out of the bidding before the final vote, mm. leaving only Almaty, Kazakhstan as the other alternative. And Beijing actually won that vote. It was the closest IOC vote ever. They, they, won the final vote 47 to 44 over Almaty. And you were you thinking like China, big, huge developed country, Kazakhstan, really tiny, you know, big in land area, but not very well developed, not a huge population. So it shouldn't have been that close of a vote. But Almaty actually is a mountain, a place with mountains, with snow. It's cold there right now. Beijing is, is in a plain, kind of like Cleveland. It's about the same latitude. This would be like the IOC giving, you know, a city like Cleveland, the, the Olympics, they're having to truck out more than two hours to get to the mountains, basically, yeah. for for the snow events, which I think is a logistical nightmare. But you know, that's for the Chinese to figure out. Okay. But anyway, one of the main reasons why I brought this up not only is because I love Winter Olympics, and obviously we have some uh, uh, we have some represent representation there, especially uh, Red Gerard, who I totally forgot about. I don't know how I forgot about that, but anyway. I want He's a great follow on Instagram, by the way. I wanted to talk about, as I mentioned before, the greatest Olympic video game of all time, Nagano Winter Olympics '98 for N64. Can we please <laughs> talk about this? This is the reason why I got into all of these because, like, the speed skating. You know the L R L R, and you go to the turn L R L R L R L R. You know, and, and all that. The long jump where you gotta. You got with the joystick. You got to time it right, and then you got to make sure you don't lean too far forward and just. Oh, the all the ski jump is really kind of a a, a ficky one. Oh, to, fantastic! To and then out. and then I know you got a story you want to tell about your brother and bobsledding, and that's another one we haven't even mentioned yet. Bobsledding. They made a. They made one of the most uh, iconic famous... sports films of all time. Oh my god! The cool runnings. Feel the rhythm. The Jamaican bobsled team in 1988, Calgary 1988. Oh, so fantastic. What's cooler than the Winter Olympics? Yeah, and the amazing thing is Jamaica almost always qualifies in bobsled. There's almost always a Right, and it's it's because of that movie. You know, it's because of that movie, and it's also – yeah, it, I get the feeling. Okay, so the biggest Olympic sport in Jamaica is by far, far and away, track and field. Mm. Usain Bolt, Uzava Fowl, right, right, uh, right. Shelly Ann Fraser Price, like all these great champions and everything. 
I feel like the ones who like once they're either done with track and field or maybe yeah. they're just a little bit too bulky to really be good at sprinting. Yeah. They do bobsled. Yeah, which is which is insane. <laughs> like what like like in what in what universe would they think to go into bobsled if it wasn't for cool runnings? Yeah. You know? Right, it's there's just, no snow, there's no ice. It's incredible. And like you and like you said, they almost always qualify. Yeah. It's insane. A team qualified from Nigeria last Olympiad. That's yeah. that's just I mean <laughs> It's another country near the equator. I mean, where, I mean, no snow. I was going to say, where do you find snow in Nigeria? Nowhere. <laughs> That's so, so, you know, it's just crazy. And I'm place, so giddy right now. I love the The only place near that latitude in Africa where you find snow is near the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. And okay. That's 20,000 so feet up. So how bad is your brother Matthew at bobsled in that game? Okay. I think he may have actually made it down the run like two or three times ever. I swear to you. Okay, so – you're basically steering the bobsled with the control stick, and you're trying to you know keep it as level as possible. You go in the turn, obviously you're you're you know getting a little bit sideways, but you don't want to get too high. I swear, every single time he gets too high in one of the, the last three turns on the course, and he flips the bobsled, <laughs> <laughs> and then you just hear it disqualify. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I love that. And, I and love that video. It always happens toward so the end much. too. So like you're you're just like wait for it. Yeah. Wait for it. Right. <laughs> it's what it's one of those things where you're like you're watching him do it, but you're like behind him because you know you can't keep a straight face. So you're like you're watching him do it, and this is more so like when we were younger. So like uh, he's how Matthew's what eight years younger than us. Yes. So he's st- he's in his still in his mid twenties. So you know back fifteen years ago, whatever. You know, we were playing this like game. 10, 12 when we were, you know, yeah. 18, and, 20. And we're in your basement, and we're just standing behind him because we know we can't keep a straight face because we know he's going to do it <laughs> every time. It's like it's like it's like it's like clockwork, and he just does it, and he just he just gets he just got so frustrated every time, and you tried to you tried to show him, but to no avail because he just like like I said like clockwork even like he just every single time he did it. It's like it's like the Jamaican bobsled team qualifying for the Olympics. You know how genius the creators of this game were? You know the decathlon and the heptathlon in, in track and field and yeah. summer Olympics? They created a mode called the winner heptathlon or the seven championship. This mode had snowboard, uh, the giant slalom snowboarding, mm-hmm. the 500-meter speed skating, the half-pipe snowboarding, the 120-meter ski jump, mm-hmm. the aerials freestyle skiing, the bobsled mm-hmm. and down and the downhill ski. Yeah, I can't imagine one person trying to do all seven of these, which is why it doesn't actually exist in real life. Yeah, but just in virtual reality. I mean, I actually kind of wish they they would make it something like that. The, the Nordic combined is the only event I know that like combines disciplines, combines cross country skiing and ski jumping. Mm. But but it, well, bi, well, there's biathlon too, which is which is that might actually be my my favorite event of the entire Olympics, believe it or not, other than short track. That involves cross country skiing and shooting. Hmm. People literally ski with rifles on their backs. Right. It was basically. Oh, I do. I do remember that, that event. Biathlon is basically adapted military training. Yeah. From places like Russia, Norway, and Canada. They should do. They should have. They should have that in Call of Duty. Uh, really, they ought to. That would be a, a how cool pretty, would that be? Pretty cool mode, actually. But so. Back, Back to my main point, bobsledding was the sixth event of the seven championship. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> my brother has was in first place after five events and then just gagged. Shout out, <laughs> shout out, shout out, Matthew. We love you, buddy. 
By the way, do you still have that that game? He has the N64. No! Out, out in California. No! Because I was about to say, we yeah, need to... Yeah, joke's on us, right? We need to... Uh, you need to talk to him about sending that back. <laughs> Just for the Olympics. Either that or he needs to get his get, ass... Get it in the mail now. We might get it by the, no, that's the, true. the closing ceremony. Either that, or, <laughs> either that or he needs to get his ass on a plane and just come home. <laughs> Hey, he works for Tesla. He he's got unlimited vacation. He can just take off work. Yeah. Um. Damn, that sucks. He is the N sixty four. Don't fly in Thursday. Oh God. Jeez, I told you before we started recording. I went to Aldi in Middleburg Heights today. Mm-hmm. It was like a barren wasteland. There was nothing on the shelves. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I had to i I had to buy I had to buy uh, this is how this is how much there was nothing on the shelves. I bought hot dogs. Right? Yeah. I no had to buns. buy I had to buy I had to buy these special brioche hot dog buns that like the, the cut in the bun was like down the middle. That I would never buy otherwise. I mean you had to do it because you can't have a hot dog without a bun. Yeah, why? What am I gonna do? Like I mean, like we said at Strongsville High School on the morning announcements, whenever they would say what, what the, the food for the day is, they would always say hot dog with a bun. Oh holy crap, that's a throwback. Good yeah. lord. My goodness, man! I hope, I hope, I hope our friends uh, Steigerwald, uh, I hope Steigerwald's listening to this episode because <laughs> he's gonna know exactly what we're talking about. Talk about a throwback! Not only that, but Nagano Winter Olympics. God, we might as well just talk about Ocarina of Time. Actually, you know what? If we if we have enough time, we talk about Cavs. I do want to talk about Zelda okay. because apparently Jared Allen is a huge Zelda. I, I texted you guys this uh, uh, about a couple weeks ago. Mm. Every time he makes a shot. They play the um, oh, what sound effect is, is it, it? Is it the uh, door opening sound? Yes, yes. Every time he makes a basket or a free no, when he makes a free throw, free throw. You know, usually it's the wah, 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 the sword. Yep. No, for him it's the door opening nice. in Zelda in Ocarina of Time. It's fantastic. But he also he also uh, retweeted somebody that uh, did some artwork of him as uh, Link. But they had like his fro and his face on it. It was, I, was I gotta find it, send it to you. It's hysterical. Yep. But anyway, hopefully, uh, Matt Steigerwald, if you're listening, shout out and uh, uh, all this talk is for you, buddy. Because I remember we always would play these games, um, Nagano Winter Olympics, you know, throwing back Super Smash Brothers, like all that stuff. We would have tournaments. Uh, Steigerwald would always be the ice climbers, which is <laughs> just hilarious. Yeah, and Popo. Yeah. yeah. So man, we are going on a tangent right now, but I freaking love it, dude. I could talk about N sixty four all day. Bringing it back in just a little bit. Um, Reel me y- in, Steve. Y- Reel know, me in. You know, I don't know if we ever mentioned this on on Brown's post game any time, but uh, Legend of Zelda football. Whenever the, the reference is, whenever we see a receiver drop a pass during a game, <laughs> Goron. Noise. We do the Goron noise. The noise yeah. of the Goron waking up. You want to do that for us real quick? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it just sounds like a sad, like failure sound. Even though it's him waking, it's it's a Goron waking up. It just sounds like it's just so sad, and you know, just depressing. Like oh, something bad happened. Yep, you just dropped a pass. Odell Beckham Jr. You gonna do that on Sunday or two Sundays from now? Ugh. We'll get into it. We'll talk We're about it. We we'll talk about the AFC and NFC championship games. But yeah. you know, when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr. I just I, – I really don't care anymore. And I don't know why Browns fans care about – he doesn't play for us anymore. They apparently care a heck of a lot more than I thought because there are some people that I've talked to who are using his presence on the Rams as a reason to root for Cincinnati. 
See, that's, I'm that's I'm just crazy to me. I'm literally the exact opposite. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Call me old school. Call me petty. I'm not as much as I like Joe Burrow. And again, if he played for anybody but insider division, say he played for the Tennessee Titans, and they beat the Bengals, and then the Titans went on to beat uh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs, and he was the quarterback. I'd be rooting all day for Joey Burrow to to win a championship, win a Super Bowl. He plays for a division. Rival. Do you know how annoying it's going to be next year if the if the Cincinnati Bengals win the Super Bowl? It's going to be unbearable. Un, unbearable. It's going to be pretty bad because Houday Nation, they don't mess around. When their team is even a little bit good, they are they're puffing their chest. No, it's it's they weird. Really like they, they're puffing their chest, but when they're terrible, you can't find them anywhere. No. No, you can't. They're See, definitely not at the stadium. Yeah. Well, so this is why. You know they're never going to be Browns fans. The Browns fan, the Browns were went one and thirty-one, and okay, maybe the stadium was the stadium wasn't sold out. We're arranging parades in their honor when they go one thirty-one. <laughs> Case in point, check and mate. I mean, you know, but anyway, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Uh, let's let's go ahead and do our top five, which was your idea. Yeah, because we got a massive storm coming in here. Yeah, uh, we talked about that early in the episode. We got big snowstorm. Some uh, massive swirling I, I, winds from the northern plains, <laughs> coupled with Gulf and Great Lakes moisture, and it's just going to be one big symphony of I, uh, massive snow. I went out to the grocery store today to get what I could. Like I said, it was a barren wasteland. But, uh, yeah, people are battening down the hatches. And I think this time, more so than the snow, I think it's because – Today it was 45 degrees. Tomorrow it's going to be 40 degrees when we start to get precipitation, which means we're going to get rain tomorrow. Yes. And what's going to happen is overnight, Wednesday into Thursday, when it changes to snow, all that rain on the street and on the sidewalks and on the driveways and stuff, that's going to freeze, and then the snow is going to cover it. And that is the worst driving conditions imaginable. Yeah, the... Really, Wednesday night into early Thursday morning is going to be really terrible because you are going to have a period where it's going to be sleet and freezing rain. Yeah, and again, I'll I'll I mean there I'll take this as, as a distance runner. I have gone running in snowy conditions before, and a lot of us have. I will not touch freezing rain for any reason. No, uh, you know just, how, you know how injured you know how badly you can injure yourself. Oh my god. And and like if you fell down, I mean you, you're you running could like one, slide halfway down the street before yeah. you even come to a stop. Well, I mean, well, I mean, one slip and you know you severely pull your groin, your hamstring. You know you fall to the ground. You're falling hard on your knee on ice. You mess up your knee. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Um. So anyway, our top five tonight is going to be top five things to do in a blizzard. Yes, this is very important listening. So if you've just been kind of just casually listening in the back, listen up. <laughs> Listen this up. This could be you. what you'd be doing the next 72 hours. Listen up, you nerds. All right, so do I get first pick? You get first pick. And since it's just okay. since it's just the two of us, let's just we'll just alternate. We're not going to okay. do we're not going to do you pick, then I get two, then you get two. Then okay. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just alternate. alternate. Okay, so uh yeah, so my number 5 was play board games. You bastard. This, this one is, you know, especially these longer games that take a while because you're not going anywhere for a while. I'm talking games like Monopoly and Risk and, you know, or it could even be interactive stuff if you've got a group, stuff like Cards Against, well, Cards Against Humanity is not technically not a board game, but, you know, um, 
Hell, you could, if you even have young kids, it could be something like Shoots and Ladders or Candyland or yeah. something like that. Or, ca- or, yeah. or, or Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Well, technically a card <laughs> game, but, you know. Yeah. I mean. Because I want to be a mother effing sorcerer. Mm. That's one of the cards in the game if you've never played it before. Yeah, there's there's lots of great cards, some that we can't discuss on this podcast. Uh, hey <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my number five on the list, Dan. What do you got? Uh, so I'm gonna do this in no particular order, really. I that's just a weird way of saying I wasn't exactly prepared to do this, mm. which is not which is not which is completely my fault because I I was given more than enough time to prepare for this. Um, but see, I get assigned show prep right out the gates here. That yeah. being a new guy, that's what I do. So, um. Now, this isn't something that I can personally do because I don't have this in my house. But for those who do have it, if you know that a blizzard's coming, what better than to... And this is kind of combining a couple things, so Mm -hmm. whatever, just go with me. I'm just trying to paint a picture. Yeah. You make hot chocolate. If you have a fireplace, you light a fire, and you just open the blinds to the outside and just sit there with a fire and just watch the snow. Ah. I mean, talk, I mean, literally what we did last Christmas. I mean, talk about one of the most relaxing things you could possibly do is you just sit. You know you're not going anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So you just sit there. You've got a fire going. Is there is there anything more relaxing than sitting around a fire? Uh, very few things, uh, honestly, particularly and, and, if you're under a blanket. And I just threw the hot chocolate out there just because, you know, I mean, whatever. Like, Usually, if you're sitting around something, you want a beverage, so whatever. I did have that in my extended list: drink hot chocolate. But, yeah, so. yeah. So that would be that would be my uh, that cool. would be my first thing. Cool. Um, and number four on my list. I mean, this obviously depends on just how terrible it is outside. But uh, I'm thinking if you live anywhere near a hill, go sledding. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a very fun activity. It's one that actually gets you a little bit moving because it's it's hard to do anything physical when you're, you know, cooped up inside. This is one of those, you know, can you get outside to do something? And, you know, again, if you even have a, even the least bit of a hill close to you, I, I, it's super fun. Grab a sled. <laughs> grab, if you got any kids especially, you know, great activity. I'm going to keep it with the, uh, with, the, with the young family thing and the kids and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, mine is also to go outside, not sledding, but uh, let's build a fort. Let's build a snow mm. fort. Have a have a snowball fight, you know, build a snowman, any Boom. any sort of activity outside. And again, this is like if it's snowing and it's like 30 degrees. Like if it's like negative 5, yeah, we understand you're <laughs> not going outside. Well, the lucky thing is is that when it's heavy snow, it's usually not negative 5 because at when it's super super cold, there's just not enough moisture in the air to right. for it to be snowing like that. Which is why this is, you know, this storm is going to be you know, super energetic because, you know, it's starting in the 40s, literally, and then dropping all the way through. But anyway, uh, number three on my list is uh, kind of in the same theme as what you were talking about earlier. You know, just kind of gather up, you know, get get the fire going if you want to, and uh, watch a movie. Yeah. Or in this day and age, binge a season on Netflix. Season on Netflix, or if uh, there's, a, uh, there's a movie series that has a bunch of uh, – parts like the first thing that comes to my mind all the time is when i'm i'm looking to uh start a movie marathons harry potter yep um so yeah stuff like you know those those like the uh, book series you know especially right. the ones in in the young adult space some stuff like you know harry potter and twilight and the hunger games and 
divergent and some of these other ones, you know, makes for makes for a day. Man, I'm I'm looking at a list right now, just trying to get some I- more ideas, and some of these are ridiculous. Dust mm. and clean your blinds. Yeah, no chance. Eh. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Who the hell wrote that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that had to have been done by somebody over the age of seventy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh. <laughs> You know, I, I, another thing that's interesting would be my next one is, uh, you know, you're cooped up inside. And this isn't really one for me because I live by myself. But let's say you know there's a snowstorm. And you're yes. like, hey, everybody, come on over, whatever. Yeah. This is something that we did at one of my other places that I lived. And you've been to many of them. Mm-hmm. Throw a dance party. Oh, absolutely. Make yes. a playlist. Have people come over. You have some drinks. You... You know, get some food out. You know, maybe make a pot of chili or something for everybody. And then, you know, everybody has a couple of drinks or whatever, and you just put on, you know, what, and like you said, make a playlist. So whatever that means. So whatever music you're into, to have a dance party. That's a that's an easy way to warm up in a cold cold snap. To have somebody bring the snacks, have somebody bring the, yeah. the drinks, you know, and, and you got yourself a day. You know, it's it, that, yes, we had so many of those nice events in, in the med loft, you know, Halloween, Christmas, Valentine's, I mean, whenever. But, uh, yeah, Blizzard, definitely a time for that. If if you live close enough and you can get, get over there safely, yes, uh, that that's a wonderful one. Yeah. Uh, number two, I, we almost hit on th- We hit on this already in the show. Uh, my number two is play video games. Yep, uh, 100%. Even if you're by yourself. Hey, you got an N64, you got Nagano Winter Olympics, just fire that thing up. L, R. Oh, you're down on energy. Down. Yep. down on energy. L. Use too much energy. R. L. You went out R. too anyway. fast. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great one. Uh, number two for me. If you're by yourself, and I'm not a big, I don't really do this very often, but if you're somebody who enjoys a uh, a nice long soak, just. Uh, Put some relaxing music on and draw yourself a nice bath. Open up a bottle of wine, bottle of whiskey. I mean, hell, crack open a beer. Crack open a brew kettle, major lager, and uh, throw yourself a nice uh, bath bomb and uh, give yourself a nice long soak. Yeah, that that sounds actually really nice. I'm not like bath guy usually either. Yeah, I'm not either. I'll tell you what. I think I was four years old the last time I took a bath. I don't. I don't know what the uh, the gender breakdown of our viewership is or our uh, listenership is, but uh, all you ladies out there, that's one for you, definitely. Hey now. Speaking of which, well, I'll get to it in a second. But the worst blizzard. This is my number one. The worst blizzard I have seen in my lifetime. Like I wasn't around for the blizzard of '78 or, mm-hmm. or anything else. Like they said, it was like it was up over your head or whatever. But like the worst blizzard I've ever seen was in 2007. It hit the day before Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day. All the roads in and out of Bowling Green were shut down for two days. The campus was shut down for two days. The wind, literally, we were walking across from one dormitory to the other. It couldn't have been more than like a 100-yard 
walk in between Harshman and Kreischer. And we had to hold each other because the wind was coming in. Yeah. Uh, forget tropical storm force. I, I, strong tropical storm, sustained wind, probably gusting to hurricane force. It was unlike anything I've ever seen. At the end of this storm, it dropped about two and a half feet of snow over two days. There were snow drifts outside the Jerome Library mm-hmm. that were literally 10 feet high. Yep, I People remember People were this. jumping off the second story of the library and jumping into them. It was incredible. Yeah. So I've never seen anything like it before or since. And if this rises to the level of that, then, well, we're still going to be digging out on the weekend, folks. Hopefully it doesn't get quite that bad. But anyway, during that those two days... I mean, aside from, you know, playing Super Smash Brothers with the guys down the hallway, <laughs> I pretty much spent the, the entire weekend with my then-girlfriend at the time. And I'll just say that my number one thing to do during a blizzard is if you have a significant other, I'll just call it Nifty. Oh, good Lord. Good God, Steve. Dan, Come on, man. It's a Dan, family show. Dan, what's your number one? It's a friggin' family. Well, everything, anything you just – anything I say is going to be – Good Lord. Jeez. God. And he knocked him out with the straight right hand. <laughs> I don't even know where I am right now. You going all Fred Durst on me and going nookie. Jeez. You just fired yourself. <laughs> just kidding. Um. Wow. Well, I mean, I, anything I say is going to be anticlimactic. Uh, I guess I should have gone second. That's what she said. Mm. Were you going to say, like, cut your partner's hair or what? No, I wasn't. Oh. I was just going to say, you know, I talked about building a snow fort outside. But and I said obviously you're not going to do that if it's like negative five outside. Yeah. If it's negative five outside, you just build the fort inside. Take oh, your living room, build idea. a giant fort, and you know you could go any any which way with that. You could, you know, make a bunch of snacks, make some popcorn and stuff, and have that, and have the opening of the fort be able to watch a movie or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I guess mine are a little more family friendly. As Cyborg Steven. would say, pillow forts are bomb. Okay. Well, that is our top five. <laughs> some, some of you have to watch Teen Titans Go. No. Mm, not me. Know. Probably not many viewers on this podcast, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, that's our top five. Uh, yeah. Well, let us know what you're planning on doing in the snowstorm. We know what Steve's planning on doing in the snowstorm. Actually, no. <laughs> Ren's not long enough to have okay, postpartum okay. yet. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Good Lord, I'm cutting this out of the podcast. What the hell is the matter with you? Jesus. God, you're lucky I don't have the soundboard locked in right now. Holy crap. My That's about to God. Fire. Holy smokes. You just made the list, stupid idiot! What are you? 
sandwich. Oh, my God. All right, that's our top five. Good Lord. All right, on to the next one. Hey, did you watch football today? Or not today. It's past, Steve's got me all, all just completely out of sorts. Uh, well, the AFC and NFC championship games were this weekend. And we now know who's going to play in the Super Bowl. And much to my chagrin, credit where credit is due, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be playing in Super Bowl 56. Playing against the Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams. How weird is it that up until last year, we had never had a host team in the Super Bowl. We've now done it two years in a row. Yeah. How about that? Well, I mean, it was pretty amazing that we'd never had it happen yeah. up until now. And in the NFC Championship game, now, I don't know how Bengals fans are going to travel. I'm sure they're going to travel well. It's the Super Bowl, for God's sakes. But I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. But if there's any franchise from the Midwest that wouldn't travel well in the situation, Cincinnati's probably it. Well, I'll say this. They had a decent amount of fans at Arrowhead. I'll say I'll give them that. Hmm. Um, but if you watch the NFC Championship game, the Rams were the home team. Didn't sound like it in the crowd. There were more San Francisco 49ers fans at that game than there were St. Louis or uh, St. Louis Rams, L.A. Rams fans. You know, L.A. just doesn't seem to care about football. They no. the Rams. It's actually pretty telling that the Rams had that kind of difficulty in a game of that magnitude on their home field, because the other team in town, the Chargers, they have that situation even worse. Well, it doesn't matter who they play. It's pretty much a 50-50 or worse situation in terms of crowd management. Uh, the Rams were the team that actually had a history in L.A. that actually were pretty good when they arrived there and have been good ever since. So you would think that they would be extremely well-supported pretty much all the time, and they're just not. Even in a, a city of you know 4 million and a metro area of almost 20 million, you know, it's just... I don't know, man. The NFL was crazy to locate two franchises there. Totally ridiculous. And I do think a day is going to come when the Chargers are going to move on from there because they, they're just not going to stick. The Rams, I think, are stuck there because SoFi is just such a grand facility. They, they, well, they have everything they need. Well, and their owner put in $1.3 billion of his own money. Right. <laughs> they're it's, not it's, going that's anywhere. The, that's the other thing. The Rams own the stadium. The Chargers are just a tenant. Yeah, well, they own part. Yeah, true. Um. But anyway, to the games. I I thought the Kansas City Chiefs were absolute choke artists uh, in that game. And it all stemmed from uh, Andy Reid going for it on fourth and goal right before halftime when he could have kicked the field goal knowing the Chiefs were going to get the ball first to start the second half. Could have just kicked the field goal, gone up 24-10, to and, you know, hindsight's 20-20, obviously. But if he kicks that field goal to end the second half – or end the first half, and the second half plays out the way it was, the Chiefs win that game in regulation. Yeah. Now, obviously... Would have played out very similarly to the Rams-Bucks game the previous week. Right. If you're if you're an intelligent quarterback... Now, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is not. I think he just had a brain fart. Why on earth do you not throw that ball into the end zone? Why do you throw that ball into the flat? I mean, it's got to be one of those situations where one Mississippi, two Mississippi. If it's not there, 
throw it out the back of the end zone or, or even just right. throw it into the ground, take the intentional grounding because you're already in field goal range. Right, but yeah. there's no timeouts, and you throw a pass. Actually, that'd be a 10-second runoff. Don't do that. You throw a pass short of the end zone, and the guy gets tackled inbounds short of the goal line. Can't do that it. can't happen. If you're going to try and complete a pass, the pass has to go in the end zone. Yeah. And like you said, if it's not there, you throw it out of the back of the end zone, and you live to fight another day, and you kick the field goal. Yep. But with no timeouts, they complete that pass, and Tyreek Hill, I think it was Tyreek Hill, was tackled uh, short of the goal line, and they go goose egg. Hurts. It was you know you ultimately those... ultimately and, and again hindsight's twenty twenty. You don't know how the second half is going to play out at that point. That essentially cost them the game, going empty in that last possession of the first half. You wouldn't have even thought that it would have been. I mean, it was significant, but you weren't thinking it was going to be that significant at the time, being yeah. that it was twenty one to three. I mean, the the Bengals had a whale of a task for them to try to overcome that deficit in the second half, and my goodness, was their defense good in the second half. And that's the thing. You know, I understand that the quarterback's going to get most of the credit when you win, but and he wasn't bad. Joe Burrow was good in that game. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm not saying the defense carried them. You know, he made plays. Like, there was a couple uh, third-down scrambles that I don't know how he got out of the pocket, but he did, and he made the first down running the ball, which is something you don't think Joe Burrow's going to do. But that defense won them the game. That interception, when they were down twenty, when they were when it was, uh, I think it was twenty-one to thirteen, and it was late in the third, and they intercepted that pass. I changed the whole game, absolutely changed the whole game. And after that, you saw Patrick Mahomes. Anytime he threw out into the flat, where he had to throw over the defensive line, he was intentionally floating the ball out there. Mm-hmm. which completely threw off his accuracy because he didn't want to throw another ball that got tipped up in the air and intercepted. intercepted. And it completely threw – he choked. He 100% choked in that game. And give the Bengals – like you said, give the Bengals credit defense – Bengals defense credit. They won the Bengals that game. Absolutely they did. You know, obviously Joe Burrow's the catalyst. He's the guy that's turned around this franchise. It's obviously not their coach because their coach is a freaking moron. But Joe Burrow – turned that franchise around, gave that franchise the confidence that they could go in and possibly win in Arrowhead, which I didn't think they could do. But when the chips were down, that Bengal defense came to play, and that Bengal defense won them the game 100%. And it just goes to show you that even in the off, the era of big offenses and big passing, the teams that are in there in the end, generally speaking, are the teams that are good at defense too. And, you know, we saw it with San Francisco where they made this big run and, and, you know, had it not been for their defense letting them down late in the game in the NFC Championship, they would have – they'd be playing in the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, we'll talk you know, about we'll talk about that game right now. dominated Green Bay and dominated the Rams for damn near most of the game before the Rams snapped out of it. 17-7 lead in the fourth quarter. And – I texted and saying the game was over. I, I really thought the game was done. Nah. I was wrong. <sighs> I'm a big Matt Stafford guy, and I'm going to be rooting like hell for the, for him to win the Super Bowl this year just because I think he deserves it. Wallowing in the wasteland of Detroit for 12 years, when that guy played through any sort of injury you could ever fathom. How many years did he wallow in Detroit? 12. That is more than any human being deserves to be in Detroit. <laughs> Period. We're not Detroit! Um, but anyway, yeah, I am not not, you know... That's a ricochet shot at the at the city of Detroit and the Detroit Lions, but <laughs> uh, 
But I'm I'm a hundred percent rooting for for Matt Matt Stafford to win the Super Bowl. I think he deserves it. Everything he went everything he went through in Detroit, um, you know, it's not his fault that that team just sucked year in and year out. They had horrible management, and you know, they just any year that they were really good on offense, they sucked on defense. Um, but everything that he went through playing in Detroit, and then you know, obviously there's a story about his wife having uh, brain cancer a few years ago and getting through that. And everything that they had to deal with with that, you know, just an easy guy to root for. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow is not, but for me, I'm sorry, I'm not rooting for my division rival. I'm just not doing it. I don't care if I hate the Steelers and I hate the Ravens more than the Bengals, which I admittedly do. I still hate the Bengals. Their fans are going to be absolutely unbearable if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Could you imagine when we play them and? and and the Browns are seven and one against the Bengals in their last eight games. They've only lost to the Bengals once in the last four years. Yeah, a meaningless last of the week. Not, not, too. and this isn't saying that Baker Mayfield is better than Joe Burrow because I'm not an idiot. Baker Mayfield hasn't lost to Joe Burrow. We have those two things going for us, and if they win next Sunday, they're gonna be walking in here into into Cleveland Browns into First Energy Stadium next year with their Super Bowl champion T-shirts on. And screaming who day from the top of their lungs. There's gonna be nothing we can do about it. Because they won the damn Super Bowl. There's a chance that the opening game of the NFL season might actually be at Paul Brown Stadium and might feature the Browns facing the Bengals. <sighs> Don't do that to me. It's a one out of eight chance. So the, the this is why this is why I'm rooting hard for the Rams. I don't care about the OBJ angle. I really don't care. He's not on our team anymore. He hasn't played for the Browns in months. He didn't want to be here. He had his dad create some, not create, his his dad tweeted about some video that, oh, he was open all the time. Whatever. He doesn't want to be here. He never wanted to be here. He told Von Miller, don't come to Cleveland, which is a BS move, by the way. A BS move. Totally. Um, We could have those two guys on our team this season. But it's not going to prevent me from from rooting against the Bengals to win the Super Bowl and rooting for Matt Stafford to win the Super Bowl. Mm. I just don't care about OBJ. If it, it, I, whatever, I just so, don't care. So the whole crux of this argument is: it okay to root for the Bengals? I, I, clearly, you are on the side of no. It is not. They are one of our division rivals. Yeah. The the two kind of arguments that I've heard to the contrary are this. One is obviously Joe Burrow being an Ohio guy. This is the one that is, you know, it's from Athens, so all of southeastern Ohio is getting behind him obviously. Southwest Ohio that's, yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that And then that, that's there's fine. Columbus, his connection with Ohio State. Oh, it seems like most of Buckeye Nation is, is behind as well. Almost all of the Ohio State fans I know are rooting for Cincinnati here. Um, I think that's stupid. Do people hate Baker Mayfield because he planted a flag at Ohio Stadium when he beat Ohio State? No, I, I, they hate. The, uh, no, I don't. No, I don't think so. If you do, you're an idiot, and you shouldn't be a Browns fan. If you, I, if that I, really makes, I you, don't know if that overlaps into Browns Nation, but I think there are some folks in Buckeye Nation that still dislike him. Well, they're not Browns fans then, because yeah. If you want, if you want to not like Baker Mayfield because he sucked this year. Fine. That's fine. I'll listen to that all day. Right. I don't have a problem with that. If you really can't get over the fact that the guy planted a flag because he beat your ass in Columbus, what, five years ago? Get over yourself. I mean, seriously, get over yourself. And the whole the whole Ohio thing, yeah, I understand. You know, I, I had, I had a, somebody tweet at our show account 
where he he was saying all the same things about him being from Ohio, him being from Athens, blah, 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 blah. And this kid went to Ohio University. His dad was defensive coordinator for OU for 15 years. Okay, that's fine. You went to OU. You have that connection there. That's fine. If you're from Cleveland and you're a Browns fan, why are you rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals? Maybe my second point could possibly help. The second point is basically the Mary Beth postulate. This is Good old one, MB. This is the one where it's the team from Ohio, the Midwest, the good old boys from the Midwest, going up against the big, bad, evil empire that is Los Angeles. And that thus by geography and by culture, we should be supporting Cincinnati, not L.A. So here's what I will say to that. And I don't know this for certain. I don't have like any sort of data to back this up. I'm just going off of what I remember. Do you remember Bengals fans rooting for the Browns in the playoffs last year? Because I do not. I don't think they had an opinion because our first game was against the Steelers, which I don't think they took sides on. Then the next game was against Kansas City. Again, I don't I didn't get a huge sense that they were really supporting us over Kansas City. Right, but 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 a lot of a lot of Browns fans that have been saying like, "Oh, they're from Ohio, so we're going to root for them." Right. Were Bengals fans saying, "Oh, the Browns are from Ohio, we're going to root for them?" No, I don't remember that. No. Not really. I don't remember that. And th- and this me being childish and being like, you know, like whatever. Yeah, maybe a little bit. But I'm sorry. I'm not going to root for the Bengals just because they're from Ohio. So, you're going to root for the Bengals now, and then if they win, it's not going to annoy you when the Browns play the Bengals and the and you're, you're back rooting for the Browns, and they're just, you know, taunting their Super Bowl championship and all this. That's not going to annoy you? Bring in their, their you know, cardboard cutout Lombardi trophies yeah, and, and all that. Yeah, that's not going to annoy you? Oh, you got but you got to be nice about that because you rooted root for them. Yeah, doesn't right. matter that they're shoving it in your face. Yeah, it's all okay, Six right? months later. They'll basically be just okay. They will basically be what the Steelers and have also been and also for and forever. also for all the people that say, "Oh, well, they rooted for the Cavs when the Cavs won the championship." Yeah, they don't have a basketball team. No NBA franchise. If the Browns didn't exist, I'd be rooting for the Bengals this weekend because of all those things those people mentioned. They're from Ohio. They're the only NFL Ohio team. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow's from Ohio. Whatever. Blah 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 blah. Go down the list. I'm sorry, I have an NFL team, and I'm not rooting for another NFL team in the same state in my division to win a championship. It's not happening. I'm sorry. That's just me. I get it. If, if people want to say that I'm salty uh, because the Browns suck this year, like, like we were supposed to be the Bengals. The Browns were supposed to be what the Bengals that were this year, win the division, uh, go to the Super Bowl, and try and win the Super Bowl. That was supposed to be the Browns. I get it. But it comes down to the simple fact that the Bengals are a division rival and I'm not going to root for the Bengals. This has nothing to do with Joe Burrow. I'm not rooting against the Bengals because Joe Burrow is their quarterback. Like I said, if Joe Burrow played for the Tennessee Titans and they had beaten the Bengals and then beaten the Chiefs and were in the Super Bowl, I'd be rooting for Joe Burrow to win a Super Bowl because I think he's a really cool guy. He seems like a good dude. And, yeah, he is from Ohio, but he plays for a division rival. I'm not going to root for the Bengals. If you if you out there want to root for the Bengals, fine. Do whatever. I can't tell you who to root for. I'm just saying me. 
I'm not going to root for the Bengals. I think it's weird for Browns fans to root for the Bengals, but do whatever you want to do. This is going to sound like a weird clinching argument, and I don't feel like giving these people any more credit than they you know, frankly don't deserve, but yeah. do you think Steeler fans are rooting for the Bengals? Hell no. 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 They they know what's up. Hell There's no. There's no way they're rooting. Ravens no. fans are not rooting for the Bengals. No. It's not happening. The last but, thing, but, the last thing but, either one of these teams wants is another team in the division but, hoisting a Lombardi. They but, don't want but, but, that. And if they don't want it, teams that have won Super Bowls in the past couple decades, what do you think we should be like? We're going to be the only team in the division to not win a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be just an expanded it's, version of that one graphic they played on Sunday Night Football when we played the Ravens, where they had kings of the AFC North, and they had the Steelers and the Ravens as kings, and they had the Bengals as a knight, and then the Browns as the court jester. It's basically going to be that on an even worse level. So, yeah, I'm not rooting for the Bengals either. No, I'm sorry. Not, and I get Go Rams. It. Yeah, and I get it. Like, L.A., yeah, big, 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 big uh, – Oh, here's another point, which is kind of just just kind of just being like salty about it, or whatever. Sean McVay's from Ohio. He's the L.A. Rams coach. Are we not? Are we? Aren't we supposed to root for him? He's from Ohio. Yeah, definitely root for that. Why don't we root for him? Mm-hmm. Why not? Guys, already been to the Super Bowl once. The Rams have the Rams have uh, uh, Jordan Fuller. Their safety went to Ohio State. Are we not supposed to root for him? I mean, he's a Buckeye. Come on. So we're only supposed to root for Buckeyes that play for an Ohio team, right? <laughs> okay. Like I just I don't understand. I get it. People like Joe Burrow. That's fine. I like Joe Burrow too. But he plays for a division rival. That would 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 people would people be rooting for Joe Burrow if he in the Super Bowl if he played for the Steelers and they were would Browns fans be doing that? No. No. And I get it. Browns Bra- fans would not be doing that, but listen, Buckeye fans? Nah. Ooh, Buckeye fans. That fan, would be interesting. No, Buckeye fan. Listen, the whole Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow barely played for Ohio State. I get that he went there, but yeah, that's the weirdest part to me. But he listen, won a national title. Listen, was at LSU. Yeah, yeah, he's a national champion winning uh, quarterback. He didn't win it for Ohio State. Right. He won it for LSU when uh, Urban Meyer was it Urban Meyer or was it Ryan Day? I think it was Ryan Day. Ryan Day. Ryan Day picked Dwayne Haskins over him to be the starting quarterback, which, which totally fine. Dwayne Haskins had a great Ohio State career. Ohio State got screwed in that same playoff, by the way. Yeah, against well, Clemson. Yeah, it should have been LSU versus Ohio State final. Um, so yeah, that's my feelings on it. Again, I'm not trying to create World War Two or World War Three over this. You know, if you want to root for the Bengals, fine. I can't tell you to do otherwise. I'm just saying, for me, I'm not rooting for the Bengals because they're a division rival. It has nothing to do with Joe Burrow. None of that stuff. I don't want to see another division rival win a Super Bowl. If that's the if that happens, we will have all three of our division. Uh, this would take some uh, research, and maybe we'll do this for next week's episode. If the Bengals win the Super Bowl this year, what other division in football has had three of the four teams win a Super Bowl in the last fifteen years? Ooh, win the Super Bowl in the last 15 win years? because Steelers oh eight, Ravens twelve. Bengals, 22. Uh, let's see here. The AFC West would have two. They'd have Denver and Kansas I'm sure. City. I'm sure there's few that have two. Name me another division that has three Super Bowl champions in the last 15 years. I don't think there is one. Yeah. You know what it would have been? You know what it will be? It'll be our division. And you know who will be the one team that ha- doesn't have the Super Bowl championship? It'll be us. 
And like you said, with the graphic on the TV, that's the, one of the most annoying things in the world. And before last year, it was uh, Browns haven't won a playoff game or haven't been to the playoffs since 2002, haven't won a playoff game since 94. We would see that all the time. And we extinguished all that last year. The NFC South would have had three out of the four had it not been for the Falcons' historic choke job in Super Bowl 51. That's yeah. the next closest division. They right actually now. had a decent chance to have four out of four. Carolina in the Carolina Super Bowl Panthers in 2015. Super Bowl. So that's, I think the NFC South is the only division that would have all four teams qualified to actually make the Super Bowl. The Saints and the Buccaneers you know cashed in. The other two didn't. That's You know what's hilarious, too, is that might be the worst division of football next year. Now Tom Brady retired. Yeah. Tom Brady retired. Drew Brees is gone. Yeah. Uh, the prognosis the, is not good for any of the those The Panthers teams. stink. The Panthers and the Falcons are not any good. Yeah. So... So anyway, yeah, I mean, we can look at that, but I, I, off the top of my head, I don't think there's any division in football that's had three teams win the Super Bowl in the last 15 years. No, two is and, the most. And damn it to hell if, if it's going to be the AFC North. So go freaking the, Rams. The NFC East also has two, the Eagles and the Giants. That is true. That is true. That's got to chap the Cowboys. Uh, well, <laughs> they got their own problems. But, uh, yeah, so that uh, that's that's really interesting. I. I didn't think of that until like we were just talking about it. Yeah. But uh but yeah. So um anyway, uh we're gonna talk about a little bit about the Cavs, but we're running a little bit uh long on time here. Uh the Cavs had a gutsy win yesterday, uh, over the Pelicans at home. A game that I I didn't yeah, watch you, you sent me a text uh late in the third quarter that said the Cavs are playing like poop and they were. Uh well, here's the thing. I didn't watch the first half of that game. The score at halftime was thirty nine thirty eight. That's how you know it's a bad game. I mean, that's setting NBA basketball back 35 years. I mean, you're going back to, like, 1990. The 1990s. No. Or even the early 2000s. So, the Cavs ended up uh, gutting it out. And one of the biggest reasons why they they were so bad offensively was Darius Gar- Garland didn't play. That guy is the Hurts. engine. He stir- he's the straw that stirs the drink. He's the engine to uh, to the locomotive for the Cavaliers. 100%. Deserves to be an all-star. He should be an all-star. We'll find out soon if he is or he isn't. Uh, also, I want to send out congratulations to uh, Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro. They've been selected for the Rising Stars Challenge. And I said this before we started recording. I'm going to be really upset if Kevin Love is not in the three-point competition. Oh, that would be a travesty if he's yeah. not in. 100%. He needs to be in it. So hopefully he is. We'll see. Uh, and, yeah, the all-star game's coming up. Uh, might have a blast from the past on the podcast here in the next couple weeks uh, to uh, focus on the All-Star game. Yeah, we will definitely be doing that over the next week or two. Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Cavs uh, win again, um, and they keep on rolling. One game out of the number one seed in the East. Cavaliers, yeah, I mean, if they hadn't dropped the game against Detroit on the weekend that they probably shouldn't have dropped, you know, they, they'd be tied for the conference lead at this point. Yeah. Uh, Bulls in the Heat currently tied for the lead. The Sixers are a half game out, and then uh, the Cavaliers are after that a game out. Uh, Milwaukee and Brooklyn are a game and a half out and two games out, respectively. So uh, with Charlotte and Toronto currently holding seven and eight. Uh, looking at the games heading into the All-Star break, the Cavaliers currently 31-20. and 20. They only play two games with teams above 500 before the All-Star break. There's seven games total. So they got Houston, Charlotte. That's one of the teams. Then two against Indiana, San Antonio, Philadelphia. That's the other game involving a good team. And then Atlanta, who, I mean, 
Atlanta, for some reason, is just not having a good season compared to the year ago. But um, So maybe that's a trickier one than their record indicates. But uh, the Cavaliers, they've got a chance to put a little more space between teams behind them, uh, even before the All-Star break here. If they could go 4-3, and 5-2, and two, you know, that would put up a few more games. I mean, 5-2 and two I don't think is unrealistic the way they've played the last two months. Right. You know, that would get them 36 and 22 at the All-Star break. Even yeah. 4 and 3 would be 35 and 23. I mean, hell, would you have taken 35 and 23 at the All-Star break the start of the year? I don't think we were going to win 35 games the whole season. Are you kidding me? Would I take that? <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a hell of a lot to give up to take that. I'll yeah. tell you that much. Nobody expected this team to be this good. No. Nobody, Nobody did. Not even Coach Bickerstaff or or Oh, well, that's why Darius that's why Garland that's why JB that's why JB's got to be front runner for coach of the year. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I said this in my solo episode, the first episode of the new era of LOTL. The Cavaliers have what I think. You know, we'll see when the, when the All-Star reserves are announced, but the Cavaliers have two All-Stars. They have right now the rookie of the year in the NBA. They have the coach of the year in the NBA. And credit to him because I thought I thought he was going to lose his job. They have the executive of the year in the NBA. That is perhaps the most remarkable thing of all. I mean, the only thing you're missing is the MVP. Obviously, the Cavs don't have an MVP-level player on the team. But that almost makes what they're doing even more impressive. They don't have a guy that is going to uh, you know, take over a game and score 40 points a night like LeBron or Giannis or Kawhi or uh, Steph. Or like what Steph did last night where he went off in the fourth quarter after uh, somebody from the opposing team started jabbering at him. And he's just like, okay, well, I'll just stick this right in your eye. Like, we don't we have great ascending players. We don't have that guy that's going to just yeah, Darius Garland is is one of the best closers in the game. He's proving that out this year, but you know, Darius Garland's not gonna be like, hey, we need you to go get 40 and win us the game. No, he's gonna get you 20, he's gonna get you 10 assists, and he's going to set guys up to help help him close. Right. But he's not gonna be a guy that's gonna be like Steph and be like, all right, well. You know, I, maybe I have 12 points through three quarters, but I'm going to go score 25 in the fourth. Let's, and just, let's just go iso ball and, right. and just, you know. So that's what I think makes it more impressive about this team. This team is incredible defensively. This team plays for each other. They the One of the best things, and last night was an incredible example. They were down by 10 points in the fourth quarter. And I get, I get it, it was against the Pelicans, but you had to see how the Cavs were playing offense in the first three quarters of that game. It was horrible. The Cavs were down by 10 points in the fourth quarter. They won the game. This team does not quit. Ever. You know, we went to games in the 90s and they would play too legit to quit. Yep. That is the that embodiment is. of this Cavaliers team. Too legit. Too yeah. legit to quit. Uh, uh, too yeah. Legit. I mean, this team is to the point now where they are legit and they're they're just too legit to quit. This team does not quit. Darius Garland didn't play uh, last night. And you had guys step up. Chetty Osman had 10 assists last night or somewhere around there. Chetty Osman had 10 assists last night. You know? Kevin Love did nothing uh, in the first three quarters and then hit a bunch of threes in the fourth quarter to help us. Um, Evan Mobley probably had his rough – probably had the roughest night offensively of his career. I think he scored three points. He made two incredible defensive plays down the stretch to help us win the game. He's got to be getting defensive player of the year consideration. I mean, he's if, – if not that, first team all defense for sure. Oh, yeah. Consideration. Um, it, it might be a little bit tough because he's a rookie. He doesn't necessarily have the reputation yet. I think de- I think all defense, more than any other accolade in the NBA, is reputation-driven. Mm. Um, 
Right, because it's not statistically driven. Right. So he's definitely up there, but I don't know because he doesn't have a reputation yet if he's going to uh, if he's going to be on there. I mean, obviously he's going to be on the all-rookie team, and more than likely he's going to win Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. But, uh, yeah, the Cavs are amazing, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. And like I said, All-Star Game is coming up. All-Star Weekend. It's here in Cleveland. Uh, we will have some, uh, hopefully some guests on to kind of profile that. Uh, like I said, blast from the past on the podcast. So let's see if you can figure out who that is. But, uh, but yeah, so I think that's pretty much going to do it for us. Yep. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Episode 196 of Living Off the Land is in the books. You can follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. Follow me at Daniel J. Ford. You cannot follow Steve on Twitter because uh, – he is Twitterless Steve. He is hashtag Twitterless Steve. I really might need to change that now. now you might need regular. to. You might need to. So, anyway, that's going to do it for us. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, and we will see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.